Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Yes, so good to see each and every one of us. We're in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to read from verse 10. Ephesians chapter 5, it's on the right side of your Bible. Amen. Amen. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to read from verse 10 to verse 17. So good to see each and every one of us this side of the year. Praise the Lord. Did you have a good holiday? Hallelujah. We indeed had a good time in the presence of God. Are you excited about the new year? Hallelujah. Are you excited about the new year? Are you, there is just something about 2023 that has got me on my toes. Something is about to happen. There's just an excitement. You quite don't know what it is. You can't quite put your hand on it. You can't put your mind on it. You can't define it with a prayer point. But there's just a, there's a knowing in your spirit when God is about to remember your case. Hallelujah. I don't know if you have some faith for January 2023 and some faith for February 2023. There are things that didn't work last year, but last year is behind us. Amen. I love the new year because the new year gives us an opportunity to do six things. The first thing is that all of a sudden we are able to realize the difference between the urgent things and the important things. Just because something is urgent does not mean it is important. And if there's something that we must do this January, even as we take time to pray together in our prayer and fasting time, we must begin to differentiate what is important and what is urgent. Just because it is urgent does not mean there are some things that wasted our time last year, not this year. I said not this year. There are some messages that, that uh, kept our DM busy, not this year. Hallelujah. There are some friendships. <laughs> there are some meetings that we were called to last year. Did a lot of 10 presentations. Nothing came out. Not this year. This January, we must take time to see what is urgent and what is important. There's a very big... There's a very, the second thing we must examine ourselves in is must check again. Are we living in purpose? That's the number two thing. Are we, are we living in purpose? Are we walking in God's purpose for our lives? Something to consider in the next 21 days as we take time to pray, as we take time to fast and to gather here on Fridays to break the fast together. Amen. Let me repeat that one more time. As we gather here on Fridays to pray and break the fast together, are we living? Are we living on purpose? The new year gives us an opportunity to re-examine our lives and to check so that we can have course correction. Praise the Lord. Are we living? The third thing that the new year affords us is to check, are we accomplishing our life's vision? Is this what you're going to be doing in the next 25 years? Are you on the path to achieving that which God has shown you? The new year indeed is a signal of time that causes us to be diligent enough. Look at the book of Psalms chapter 90 verse 12. Scripture says, teach us to number our days that we may obtain a heart of wisdom. So the new year gives us an opportunity to examine again. Are we walking the path that we must walk? Is this what you're going to be doing the next 25 years? And are you happy with that decision? 
the new year affords us to do a fourth thing, which is to establish worthwhile goals. I know resolutions have faced all manner of haters' speech. It has faced all manner of sarcasm and ridicule. But the man that sets off to do nothing will accomplish exactly that, nothing. So what are some of the goals that we are having this year? And this, this morning we are looking at a new dawn, which is our message, and we'll be focusing on five keys to make 2023 productive. But before we even get into that, what are some of our goals for this year? What are some of our goals? That the excitement is not excitement that is baseless, but it's an excitement that is based on some achievables. What are some of your financial goals? What are some of your relationship goals? What are some of your marriage goals? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just because somebody set goals last year and they didn't come to pass doesn't mean we should not, we should not set goals this year. So I want to encourage us, take some time and set some goals. How much money do you want to have at the end of December in your account? Praise the Lord. So that when we say, uh, people are going for holiday, you say, which holiday now? <laughs> you know, what are your goals? What while? What were goals? Number, number five, number six, sorry. The new year affords us, I love this one, the opportunity to bury the past. Please, 2022 should not follow you into 2023. Let me repeat that one more time. 2022 is gone. There's some stuff that happened in 2022 is not coming into 2023. That is behind us now. We are now forging ahead. And that is why I'm excited. Because finally, 2022 is over. I am now in 2023. And because I'm alive, there is hope for me. There is excitement. There is new vision. It is Solomon that said, better is a live dog than a dead lion. Because a lion, as mighty as it is, if it is dead, there is no hope. But a live dog, at least the live dog can bark and disturb the neighbors. Praise the Lord. He says there is hope for a tree that has been cut. So this year can be exactly what we want it to be. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. We are looking at a new dawn and request us to stand and read from verse 10. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 10 to verse 17. So I want to invite each and every one of us. Are you in church? I want to invite each and every one of us to our 21 uh, days of two things, prayer and fasting. Not fasting only. Because if you're fasting only and you're not praying, that is a riot. Is that not so? That, that is a, a activism. Social injustice. No. It is not a hunger riot. It is not a hunger strike. We are doing what? Prayer and what? And fasting. So we are going to be praying every day from 6 a.m. Every day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. This fast is uh, is not a dry fast. You can take water. Leave yogurt alone. Uh -huh. Leave yogurt alone. Leave beverage. Somebody said, what are you doing with these five liters of mango juice? You know we are praying and fasting. But I can be on liquids. <laughs> Pick and peel is about to make some money. No. With this one, we are taking water. We are taking black coffee. We are taking a black tea. Praise the Lord. You know, we are not in a conference. We are in church. Eh? This is family. We can give instructions very well. And we will check next Sunday if you have been doing it. So we are doing a, a prayer. Baby, we are doing fast, right? You know, my wife was telling me, now that you're the priest of the house, why don't you just do this thing yourself? Eh? It will be priest and priestess. Amen. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. So we are praying, we are fasting, we have a prayer guide that we will share 
today evening look at the church group please in the case, just put the church number if you don't have this number save it on whatsapp now so that we can send you once you save it just send us a text say hello uh, i don't know just say hello something like that we will send you the prayer and fasting guide that's number number two we'll be praying together in the morning in a zoom meeting tell your neighbor zoom meeting and then this zoom meeting is a zoom meeting with a difference because you will be required to switch on your camera uh-huh. You have to switch on your camera. You have to switch on your camera. I know mascara will not accompany you to that prayer. It is okay. We will finally get to see your real face. <laughs> I'm looking forward. So we want to pray together. We want to see your real face. I really wonder how you really look like. Okay. So 6 a.m. We'll share the link. We want to see 200 of us be there in the morning to pray. At 6 p.m. Tell your neighbor at 6 p.m. We will pray again together. Sour, sour. What will we do? We'll pray again together so we don't need you to switch on your camera at 6 p.m. Because obviously if you're still sleeping at 6 p.m., we can't help you. You could be in a mat. You could be at work. Nobody knows where you'll be. But at 6 p.m., just join the call. Uh, a few of us will be praying and then we can break our fast. Let me also give a disclaimer. It will not be the long prayers of Pastor Doc. There will be very brief prayers just to say we are together, we are starting the day. We will not get into a lot of uh, complicated prayers and theology. No, it will just be prayers in the morning. Good morning. Let's pray today for one thing and then you start your day. Are you joining that prayer movement? Are you joining? Can I see your hand? Are you joining? Are you joining? Lift up your hand if you're joining. Amen. Very good. Thank you so much. So we will see each other tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Tell your neighbor tomorrow morning I want to see you there. Please tell them like you believe, like you yourself. You know, there are people who are saying, tomorrow morning I want to see you there, but neighbor is like, even you, I'm suspecting you. I'm suspecting, I want to see you. I want to see you. <laughs> Amen. Ian, I'm good to see you. Happy New Year. All right, let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 now. Verse 10, let's read all the way to verse 17. Let's go, 2, 3, 1. Proving. Let's go to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, and then we sit down just now. Colossians chapter 4, we are going to read only one verse. Read verse 5 for me. Colossians chapter 4. Let's read that one more time. Yeah? And check for me if your neighbor is reading. Tell them, many by energy. This is no time to sleep. Eh? Open your mouth and read that scripture. Okay, let's go. Uh-huh. Redeeming the time. Sit on your challenges. Amen. God's word is blessed in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The book of Ephesians is one of the most celebrated books in theological circles for obvious reasons. And I'm excited because God is very keen in how he arranges his word. I don't know how you divide your Bible, but when I study my Bible, I don't see two sections, but I see five sections. The first section I see is the Old Testament. And ain't it interesting that the Bible is divided into testaments? Another word for testament is covenant. That then, to the, that then communicates to the King Bible scholar that God deals with agreements. Yes, that anytime you are walking with Yahweh, there has to be agreement. There has to be oneness. We must come to a place where we are agreeing with him. It is the prophet that said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? That my relationship with him is most robust when I'm in agreement with him. When I'm in agreement with his will. When I'm in agreement with his word. When I'm in agreement with the leading of his spirit. Another word for agreement is the word alignment. So you find that the scriptures then is divided into five. And there is the Old Testament. And then there is the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The third division is Acts. The fourth is Letters. And the fifth is Revelation. Now Ephesians is falling obviously in the category of letters. Now when you begin to study the letters which forms the majority of the New Testament, you will realize that of the letters that were written, four of them are regarded as the prison letters. That is the book of Philippians, the book of Philemon, the book of Colossians, and the book of Ephesians. And that is telling because despite the servant of God being in prison, there is still value that came out of him. I'm excited at that reality. The fact that your life seems to be in prison does not mean that value cannot come out. I talk to me somebody. I don't like your faith this morning. I talk to me somebody. That the Bible is clear that the servant of God was in prison. But just because he was in prison does not mean there was any hindrance to the destiny of God upon his life. That the kingdom pattern is this. That sometimes when we are in prison, still the precious comes out. That the crucible for promise sometimes is prison. And we see Paul in prison, and despite him being in prison, he's still able to write the book of Colossians. He's still able to write the book of Philemon. Have you noticed those friends of ours who, when they are squeezed a little, all of a sudden there is tragedy on every side? And they don't want to come out of the house, and they are waking up late, and they don't want to, in, in, in Isaiah's word, anoint your head or apply oil to your hair anymore. You don't want to, you're completely fed up. Just because somebody did not greet you in church. Are you seeing how petty sometimes we can be where we come to a place where there's little challenge in our lives and we decide now we must exit the fellowship of brethren. Why didn't you come to the small groups? You know it's because I'm having some challenges at work. Could it be that I'm having challenges at work should encourage my faithfulness in the body? It is here that I'm seeing clearly then that the crucible of purpose is not comfort but pain. That while in prison, he was still able to author the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, and the book of Philemon. 
Now, the book of Ephesians is regarded as an encyclical letter, which means a letter that was to be read in all the churches in, Ephes in the Ephesian location at Ephesus. That it was a message that was to be spoken in all the churches. And it is here now that Paul begins to deal with two main things. And when you study the book of Ephesians, you'll realize that there are only two divisions. And all of them start with P. I'm just wondering. Prison, then two divisions. The first part of the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, deals with the position that we have in Christ. The scriptures are clear to show us that we are not them that are walking as, 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 walking as one without father, or one without inheritance, or one without identity, but we are them that are walking as with the father. As with the Son, one that are walking with identity sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. He's careful enough to show you that all of us had a past. He says that in time past, you are bound and you are under the power of the prince of the air. He said you had your conversation in corruption. And that is why when people remind me of my past, I'm careful enough to say all of us have a past. Buenas ifiwe. All of us had a past, and that is what the blood of Jesus is about. And I sense in my spirit, 2023 is this year, that you are going to put your past behind you. Can I hear your amen? I said this is the year that the past will finally lose its grip on you and you'll begin to enter into what God has called you to enter. I said this year is the year you're about to break. Every discomfort that the past created is the year you're about to break. Every form of timidity that was created by something that happened last year that has been hindering you to enter into God's best. This is the year to move forward. All of us had a past. That the position that we are standing in according to Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 was not an original position but an introduced position. That is further rubber stamped or emphasized by Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Scripture says, therefore, we have no condemnation. Therefore, we have no condemnation, which is the Greek word kataginosko, which means there is therefore now no relationship between where you are today and where you were yesterday. As somebody missed a good place to say amen. Talk to me, somebody. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That God has secured for us a place that says, forget your past. Look at your neighbor, tell them, forget your past. Come on, tell them, forget your past, forget your past. Neighbor, I suspect there are some things that you have been holding on to forget your past. There are some of us that have refused to uh, answer DMs because you're saying the last time I opened up my heart, I was hurt. Forget your past. God is saying, believe me for the future now. Enter into the unknown. 2023 fear must be broken. We must enter into what God has called us to do. I know 2016 blunders were made and I know in 2017 you had to close down some businesses and in 2018 you are recovering. But baby, that is the past. It is 2023. It is time to rise and move on. Amen.
Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, are you ready to enter your future? Come on, talk to them, talk to them, talk to them. We are not in a morgue, we are in a celebration. We are in a church. We are in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. This year I want to hear good news only. Amen. Good news only. Amen. Good news only. Haven't you ever gone into a place where you are tired of bad news? You can rise up like Job and say, when men say there is a casting down, thou shalt say, there is a lifting up. Good news only. Good news only. All of us had a past. He's careful to show us that position. The second position he's careful to show us is that by the heart a man believes. By the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But in Ephesians he says in chapter 2 verse 8, therefore by grace ye are saved. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And I'm excited because 2023 is a gift of God. Let me say that again. 2023 is a gift of God. 2023, that which God has given, no man can take away. That which God has already blessed, no man can curse. How do I know this year will work? Because God said it. I said, how do I know that our marriages are going to work this year? Because God said it. How do I know that businesses will not collapse this year? Because God said it. It is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. And I like the book of Ephesians because he is strong on the position. And he deals with the spirit of God and the five things the spirit of God has done for us, which we will deal with. But then he comes to chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. And he begins to deal with practice. That position and promise without practice is inadequate. Let me say that again. That position promise without practice is inadequate. And they teach Three things. The first thing he teaches us in practice is standing. He says, when you have done all else to stand, stand therefore. That there is a standing requirement in the life of the believer. One author argued and said, that talks about building a backbone. That one can be able to hold their ground and say no more. That you can draw a line and say, this is the end of that challenge. This is the end of this weakness that has so confused me. This is the end of going round in circles. That there is a requirement for us to stand our grounds, Pastor Kevin. And that is the essence of discipleship. The disciple should be produced as a mature man who can stand their ground. And I sense in the spirit that there are some of us, there are some things that we need to take a stand on. The reason why there's disrespect around you is because what have you been entertaining? There, are, there is a standing requirement. Listen to this. He said, when men shall say there is a casting down, thou shalt do what? Say there is a what? That means when somebody says you are stupid, the believer's position is not, to, is not to say, okay, let me keep quiet, give them the other face to slap. No, it's to say, no, I'm, not, I'm the expression of the wisdom of God. There has to be an answer in Zion. That's why when somebody says, oh, please, be careful. The roads are dangerous. You can say, no, there is a blood that speaketh things, that the blood of Abel. When the doctor comes and says, now, please, these are the foods you must not eat, and these are the foods that you must eat, and this is how you must live your life. You say, doctor, I hear what you are saying, but there is another voice from above that says, I shall live and not die. Stand your ground. Praise the Lord. 
there has to be some standing of the ground. You have to stand your ground. You know, some of us, we have entered, and people in the marketplace understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes you are so squeezed that you enter into a business where you are hardly breaking even. And sometimes it's not an expression of wisdom, but an expression of fear and confusion. If there's a year you're going to stand your ground is this one. They must pay the full price. I don't like your amen. I say they must pay the full price. When so, if, you're, if some of us are going to interviews, can I speak to you right now? Let them pay you the full price. In the name of Jesus. Let them recommend the, fa the first answer that they will, the first pay grade that they recommend. Let it be the full price. Bonas if you I don't know about you, but you enter into an interview, you know very well you're worth quarter million. And they will offer you 30,000 shillings. And then you say, yes, sir, 1,000 times no. That is your cue to stand your ground. <laughs> I don't like your faith. That is your cue to stand your ground. Because the child of God must live with dignity. Hallelujah. Stand your ground. Paul talks about three things. The first one is to stand. The second one, he talks about how to walk. That there's, certain, there's a certain way we must walk as believers. There's a walking that is required. There's a walking requirement that deals with two things. The first one is progress, but the second one is sanctification. That the Spirit of God, that God does not care so much how high we jump, but how straight we walk after we have landed. You know, the way you are jumping in the Spirit and you are singing praise songs. But when you come down from that jump, how straight is your walk? That God does not care so much so how deep and frightening and intimidating your tongues are. But what is the truth in your mouth? That after you finish praying in tongues, is your mouth seasoned as with salt? That there is a certain way the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ must live life. And if there is a way we are walking in sacrifice. If there is a year we are going to walk in sanctification, it is this year. I said this year you are about to enter into sanctification dimensions in the name of Jesus. And I see some of us just taking one day or two days a week. The rest of the year saying on Thursdays I'll be fasting. On Wednesdays I'll be fasting because there is a certain way we must walk. Hallelujah. Is there a fruit that can be seen in your life that we stand our ground but there's a way we must walk. Then the interesting thing is that the book of Ephesians closes, chapter 5 and chapter 6, begins to deal with fighting and war. And he says that now put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. That there's a certain way we must stand walk. That, but after we have stood and walked, we must not cower away from fighting. That there is an armor of God that requires to be put on. And consequently, we are able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. That our inadequacy in putting on the full armor of God and running away from battle results in defeat. Do you know that there is defeat that is not warfare, but it is a defeat that is a result of refusal to align with the battle strategies of God. That there is a helmet that is required on your mind. Not every kind of thought is welcome in your mind. Amen. Let me say that again. Not every kind of thought should be welcome in your mind. There's a helmet of salvation. There's a breastplate of righteousness that guards our heart. That is put. That faith, and it is Paul that argued that faith requires patience to work. Hallelujah. Breastplate of these feet that are shod with the gospel of good news. That is why this year I'm sensing that our Saturday uh, outreaches will be full of the whole church. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. 
Why is it that you are concerned about winning but you're not concerned about the gospel? I sense this year, tell your neighbor this year, I will win souls like never before. Come on, tell them like you believe it. I will win souls like never before. Amen. And it is here now that I want to enter into Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 14, which then becomes our guiding principle to have a new dawn. How can you ensure that 2023 you start again. How can you ensure that 2023, you begin again? There are a couple of keys I want to explore here by the Spirit of God, and I trust with all my heart that we will be helped. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 14 now. I, I believe I've set a very good context so that you can begin to see what then is the purpose and spirit of the book. Verse 14 deals with something. He says, awake you who sleep. Awake you who sleeps. Awake you who sleep. Awake you who sleep. Do you know it is possible to wake up but be asleep? Mm -hmm. It is very possible to be at work but you're completely asleep. And to go to work but asleep. And to come to church but asleep. Disengaged. Completely bored. Just going with the circles of life. You know, just, you know, wake up in the morning, shower, iron clothes, you know, dress up, go to the matatu stage, get the mat or fuel or whatever it is, go to work, do work, come back again. There is a requirement. Listen, if, they, if this year you're going to have a new dawn, tell your neighbor you must wake up. Oh. You must wake up. He's not dealing with people who are awake. That is why he says you must wake up. Then he says, wake up and arise. That not only should you wake up, you who sleep, but you must also arise. What does arise mean? Self-initiated action. Self-initiated action. And I sense that this year people are going to take some moves in this church. Let me say that one more time. This year is the year of making moves. If you wanted a hashtag, here we go, 2023. Making moves. It says, awake you who sleep. Then it says, arise. Self-initiated action. Do you know, because of the anointing of God upon your head, the help you are waiting for is you. No one is coming to save you but you. Amen. Let me say that again. Amen. If 2023 you're going to have a new dawn, one must guard themselves and arise and begin to take self-initiated action. I read the second verse that says, and Christ will give you light. And one theologian argued here, and his argument, actually it was Dr. Miles Munro. And he said, the thing is, when you begin to take action, Christ, which means the anointed one, will shine his light. Or Christ, the anointed one, will begin to reveal to you the steps. It is here that David says the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That before he orders your steps, you must rise. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor, tell them self-initiated action. That is number one. For 2023, for us to have new dawn, there has to be self-initiated action. How do we know that we are going to fill this tent by Q1 of this year? Because of some actions you are helping us take. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor self-initiated action. 
No, this one must enter self-initiated action. Self-initiated action. Self-initiated action. There has to, you need to begin to make some moves, take some steps. There has to be rising. Then he says something here, which is a, a big key for us this year. Number two, he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. He introduces two words here that have been used extensively by Solomon. He talks about wisdom, and he talks about foolish walk. Now, what is wisdom? Applied knowledge. What is knowledge? Information. What is understanding? Comprehension. He's saying here that there are many of us that are walking with knowledge, but they are not walking wisely because they are not applying the knowledge that they have. Do you know that knowledge actually gives you the ability to become even more foolish except you enter into wisdom? It is knowledge that empowers for foolishness except you walk in wisdom. That you know there is deliverance in the blood of Jesus does not mean you will enter into it. Except you enforce it in your life and walk in wisdom. In the knowledge of that particular reality. That we are not to be as those that are puffed up. Solomon argued that knowledge puffs up. We are not to be about those that know well. In fact, if you study the Bible, you realize that the scripture categorizes all human beings into only three categories. The spiritual, the soulish, and the fleshy. The flesh is the man in his flesh, and they're here this morning. I don't even want to deal with that. But the soulish man is the man who has decided to interact with God from a position of his mind. Do you remember the book of Luke chapter 19? And Jesus was talking to a rich, foolish man. And he said, I have made provision for my life. I can now sit, I can eat, I can enjoy, I can eat, drink, sleep, and enjoy. Then Jesus said, thou fool, you do not know that your life will be required of you. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly because the days are evil. That phrase means because you will not live forever. That the there's a, there's a brevity to your life. There's a start-stop to your life. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. It says, worship the Lord in your youth. Worship the Lord. Because the evil days are coming. That phrase means that you will not be alive forever. That there is a day that your life will be required of you. Here's the second key. For us to have a new dawn, there has to be urgency in our spirit. We will not be alive forever. Let me say that again. You will not be alive forever. That breaks the back of postponing things and saying, I will do it tomorrow. And saying, you know, I will do it next week. If there is a good time to do anything, it is this year. Bonus if you will. I said it is this year. If there is a good day to do anything, it is this year. Just see then that you walk circumspectly, not as the fools, but as the wise. There is a wisdom requirement. And wisdom is walking while applying knowledge. Now, can I just break down one word here, which is the, the number three thing we must do this year, then we begin to get ready to pray. He says you must redeem time. You must redeem time. Now, I went to the Septuagint to look at what does redeeming time mean. And the Septuagint argues has four meanings of how to redeem time. The first thing is to repossess. That redeeming time is repossessing it. And I went, I, I went into the spirit and began to ask, what does that mean? It means there are things that have been possessing your time. 
There are things that have possessed your time. That is unproductive. That is confusing things. That is relationships that are not of God. That is habits that are deceiving. That is habits that are disempowering. It says that one of the dimensions of walking in the spirit is the ability to take back your time. Have you gotten to a place in your life where you feel things are just happening to you? Things are just happening to you. Why didn't you do Bible study? There is so much to be done. Why didn't you have a time of prayer? There is so much to be done. That you can't even control one hour of your time. He says, take back your time. That wisdom is taking back your time. Because you will not live forever. Let me go back to my preamble. There's a difference between urgent and important. Not everything that is urgent is important. Tell anybody, possess your time. The second thing is <laughs> to own something. That walking in wisdom means owning your time. Redeem time. Own your time. What has caused you or what has stolen your time so much so that you hardly have any time for yourself and for the things that God has called you to do and for your family and for the things that matter? The tragedy of this generation, people have argued, is that we are so busy. And we are so busy trying to pay for things God gave for free. We are so busy trying to buy some form of happiness. Because you believe that if, I can, if only I can dress like this, then I will be able to be happy. We are so busy trying to buy a location. Because in our mind, if, I, if only I can put my house in that location, then I will rest. Yet the free things that God has put right before our eyes, the joy of community, the love of family, the satisfaction of a, a, a day's hard work, you know, the productivity of our sweat, the growth of our children, these things that God has put in our lives for free, we have no vision of them. The author is keen here, he says, that redeeming time is being able to own your time. That even our economic activity should not run our lives. Amen. That even our economic activity should not run our lives. To redeem time, number three, means to bring it back to rightful order. That in the observation of Paul in the Ephesian church is that they were spending time, but they were not spending it correctly. That your life, remember my preamble, Psalms chapter 90, chapter 90 verse 31, says teach us to number our days. Who is numbering your days? Ask your neighbor, who is numbering your days? Who is numbering your days? Who is numbering your days? Are days happening to you? Or are you happening to days? I saw a meme, uh, somebody said, I blinked in 2019 when I opened my eyes, it was 2023. That I don't know what happened. Who's, that's a foolish man. That's a foolish person. That's a foolish person. What do you mean you don't know where the time went? Number your days. Yes, the worst thing that can happen to you is that next year, time like this, you are exactly the same place, including the same shirt. That's the worst thing. Oh. It is the worst thing. Uh -huh. We have photographs. We'll check next year. First Sunday, Pastor Doc. Just be like, uh -huh. you, this is the shirt you came with last year. Collect shirt now. So that something can change. Tell your neighbor, own my time. I got to own my time this year. I have to own my time. I have to bring my time to ownership. I must redeem time.
time. Verse 17 says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the first, the third key. That redeeming times means walking in purpose. That stop wasting time, number your days, get a hold of your purpose. Because ultimately that is what matters. What is God's will for your life? And as we pray this January, we are praying for you that God will open up your eyes, that you will be able to see God's will for your life very clearly. That God's will, I can't even hear you, amen. That God's will for your life will be as clear as day, that you may be able to begin to take sure steps. Now look at Colossians chapter 4 verse 5. He talks about the same thing. He says when you are walking with those that are outside or those that do not belong to the faith, he says redeem time. Do you know that there are relationships that have been designed by the enemy to waste our time? Yes, Hallelujah. The writer is calling you to quickly design what is the purpose of this relationship. And if there's a discernment that this discernment is a waste of time, exit quickly. Because he said, <clears throat> put it up. Put it up, please. I, I, I heard you, Stella. Hallelujah. Amen. Put it up. He says, see, be very careful. There are business meetings that you'll be doing business meetings for six months. Kumbe, it was a waste of time. He says, when you're dealing with those that are outside, be wise. Don't be as a fool. You know, my brother yesterday had a meeting, and in this meeting, he sat down, and somebody talked for five hours. Then he complained on Facebook and said, have you ever had a meeting where somebody called you to have fellowship and they talked the whole time about themselves? They didn't even give you the opportunity to have fellowship. It was, that was a speech. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That you have to be careful enough, especially when you're dealing. Can you imagine? But scripture is saying, yeah, when you're dealing, and this is one of the things he wrote when he was in prison, that when you're dealing, a guy is in prison. He's saying, I'm telling you, I'm inside. I know what I'm talking about. When you're dealing with people who are not of the house, be very careful and be wise. Sometimes you sit there and somebody has prepared for you tea and when they open up your mouth, when they open up their mouth, we just see G coming out and not G for gospel, but G for gossip. This year, we don't have time. Amen. Baby, I don't have time. I love you with the love of Christ, but that, I don't like that G. But I don't like that G. Tell Barry. Uh -huh. That's the destroyer of communities. It is the destroyer of communities. It is the destroyer. How comfortable will you be when somebody sits you down to tell you about your wife? Why is it that you can't be like that? Why are you uncomfortable when they tell you about your wife, but you're not uncomfortable when they tell you about your pastor? Cast that jeep. I say, you know, it's just that the spirit of God restrains me. But next time you bring gossip to my house, I will slap you difficult in the spirit. <laughs> and I would have called the police myself so I can turn myself in, so I can also write Colossians. That when you are dealing with the ones who are outside, be wise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There are relationships that we must re-examine. Uh -huh. Do you know that the enemy can do nothing to harm you? There's a blood that is speaking. So he'll begin to engineer. He says, a companion of fools is destroyed. He says, he that walks with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools is destroyed. He'll begin to engineer some companions to come around you that are keeping you idle, that are keeping you addicted to alcohol, that are taking you to bars, that are keeping you in gossip, that are keeping you negative, and they are whispering of how the things that you're trusting God for are impossible. Cut off those relationships. 
Hallelujah. When the Bible says cut it off, what do you do? You cut. It says what association is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols? Be careful when you're hanging with people from. That is walking in wisdom. Then the next verse he says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. For 2023, for us to have a new dawn. If there's going to be a new dawn in your life, God is saying there is a faithfulness required when opportunity comes to your doorstep. And there has to be a sensitivity. The challenge with opportunity is that opportunity is a very shy girl. Let me speak with some imagery a bit. She will never come to the front and say, hello, my name is opportunity. She will probably sit at the back and she will bow her head completely nondescript. That which was big doors for some of us never looked like big doors in the beginning. The big door will not jump into your bedroom in the morning and say, today is the day of the big door. In fact, I make bold to say, if you examine the stories of God's grace and the stories of God's victory and the stories of God's provision, they happened on an ordinary day and on an ordinary human being and what looked like just another business and what looked like just another customer. But when you put your best foot forward, that is how you entered UN. When you put your best foot forward, that is how you entered KPLC. Make the most of every opportunity because we do not know where God is. One day a man of God called Apostle Madubuko stood on, stood on this platform and he said, what makes destiny is that God is never clear. Hallelujah. That God is never, God is never clear. We know, we know in part, but then we will know in full. Paul says we are groping in the darkness. We can hardly touch it with our hands. Make the most of every opportunity. That is the positioning of creating new dawns in your life. Making the most. And sometimes that job you have been crying about could be the opportunity God is calling you to make the most out of. Amen. Hallelujah. A story is told of one of the African presidents who was just one of the people in the party. In fact, he never had presidential ambition and the reason is he could never be elected. He came from the wrong tribe. He did not have sufficient backing as far as national appeal is concerned. He didn't have significant economic force to propel him into the presidency. But what happened is he was at least at some point he was minister. I'm talking about Tanzania in case you asked. He was the minister of roads at some point and he was performing and the time they, was, they were negotiating power 10 years ago, the two main presidential preferred candidates fell off and all of a sudden the party asked, now that the two main guys have fallen off and we are losing favor with the nation, what can we do? Let us find ourselves a performing minister, Marco Fuli. That as he was diligent in building roads, that whole time, that was his presidency pitch. That when he was diligent in making sure that government has straight engineers and that government does not overpay for roads, when he was at the backside of cabinet and did not ever thought of, think of presidency, this whole time, that was opportunity. Scripture calls us to make the most of every opportunity. Now go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Quickly to give us perspective, and this is the fifth thing I want us to keep in mind this January. The book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. Scripture says something. The preparation of the heart belongs to man. Are you seeing that? Okay. Please go with me to verse 3. 
commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. Are you seeing that? Very well. Please go to verse 9. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Go to Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20. He says, many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the purpose of the Lord, that shall stand. It means then that the custody of planning is with man. I hope you have seen that clearly. That it, it is you to plan. That is very important. I began by saying that whoever you are waiting to save you is you. That nobody is coming to help you except you. That the help you have been waiting for is you. God is saying that you plan. It is you to plan. I remember him saying, write down the vision. Make it plain. We need to come to a place where we are writing down our vision one more time. Put it down to paper. Put down your plans. How Zion works. How God works. God works with the plans of your heart. Do you know, Pastor Kev, that the kingdom system is not money. The kingdom system is desire. I will give you the desires of your heart. Not what money can buy. And the challenge sometimes is the desire of our heart is so big that it creates doubt and fear and you abandon it. God is saying, put that school in a paper. Some of us have been called to build schools. God is saying, this year put it down on a paper. Put it down. Some of us have been called to build logistics company. Put it down on paper. Put down that plan on paper. Some of us have been called. You feel you, there's a conviction in your spirit. There's something in your mind, Mbaji, that in the next three years I'm building for my family a house. Put it down on paper. God is saying, I will grant you the desires of your heart. What is desire? Passionate, consistent. Listen, casual faith never moves God. It is passionate faith that makes for output. What is this that you want to die for this year? God's system works with the desires of your heart. But I want to show you something here. He says that a man's heart plans his way. Are you seeing that? A man's heart plans his way. But, tell your neighbor, but, the Lord directs his steps. The steps are ordered of the Lord according to the plan that you have in your heart. Before the plan is in place, the steps are not in view. Let me say that one more time. Before the plan is in place, the steps are not in view. Put down a plan. The thing about God ordering your steps is what is regarded in strategy as tactical thinking. That it is God that will order your steps. The problem of steps is sometimes they don't look like steps. Hallelujah. Can I give you one quick story and then we close and pray? Think about Joseph. The plan in the heart was clear by vision revelation that he will sit on the throne and the 12 tribes, his 12 brothers, will bow down to him. That was the plan. And he was clear with it. And then it was rubber stamped when his dad gave him the coat of many colors. See testimonies, see grace, see glory. But shortly that turned into tears and pain. Because they grabbed him 
and dumped him in a pit. Yet that pit was a step. Many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the purpose of the Lord, that shall stand. He says, you plan your ways, but the Lord shall direct your steps. That the pit was a step. And sometimes we misinterpret our present position to be warfare. Yet it is just a step. That he was in the pit, but it was a step. Amen. The steps to the palace is not necessarily pretty. Sometimes the most difficult challenge is the surest step. That God is guiding and leading the steps of the righteous. Sometimes that steps including losing a job or closing a business or a relationship failing. That is part of the steps. When you study the geography of where they dumped him, apparently they dumped him at a route where traders pass. That in that route, there was no way of traders passing without them knowing where the pit is or without them seeing the pit. The problem is the ignorance of the challenge, the brother, aka the brothers, they did not know the geography of traders that go to Egypt. And they made the ignorant mistake of placing him exactly where he needed to be placed. Can you imagine? That that which the enemy designed to kill you was exactly what you needed. In fact, historians have argued that if, he, if Joseph was not placed on that pit, he would have never seen Egypt. Forget it. How? How would you enter? From which side? Now, they also make another argument that because of the confusion of desert topography, because it all looks the same, even if he decided I'm walking to Egypt, you would never get there. That it took traders who know the way, who go that way for commercial reasons. And look at the foolishness of the enemy. That the enemy took him and dumped him in that pit. That is why I've said 1,000 times, what the enemy calls divorce, God calls destiny. Let me say that one more time. What the enemy calls divorce, God calls destiny. What you call failure, Jehovah is saying, that is future. What you are calling pain, God is calling precious, promise, prosperity. Put the plan down and trust God for the steps. And those of us who are in the steps have courage and strength and confidence that Jehovah knows exactly where you are. If it is not the throne in Egypt, it is just but a step. One author said that if it is not like what God showed you in the closet, just know you are still on the way and it is temporal. I'll invite us to stand. That is my time. I'll invite us to stand and to make one prayer today. That Father, find us faithful with 2023. Can you make that prayer? Find us faithful. Jehovah, find us faithful. Find us faithful. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.